Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Tuesday, October 31st edition of the Basement Academy. We are live again, a day later than planned. <laughs> if you were in church on Sunday, you know two things. You know that I said we're going to be beginning, be beginning a, a new series on the book of Revelation this week. And you also know that I did not have much of a voice on Sunday, right? <laughs> By the end of Sunday evening after our um, fall festival, I had no voice. I was whispering like this. <laughs> and so did my best yesterday to say as few words as possible. Um, many people were happy about that, I'm sure. <laughs> and so beginning our study a day later than planned here on All Hallows Eve. Uh, it's been a little over three weeks since we signed off, um, finished one series, did some replay about the church, our theology series. I pleaded with you to watch those, 401, 402, 403. <clears throat> Theology 403 this past week was about the church and the end, that is the end of time, eschatology. What's going to happen in the future? What about prophecy? These kinds of things and what role the church uh, plays. Well, a lot has happened in the last three and a half weeks. Locally at Greenwich, there's been celebrations. Uh, we've had some weddings a baptism, a celebration of life with our dear brother, Bill Lover, having died. But more significantly is what has happened in the world. Now, I was already planning on doing this study on the book of Revelation. And then the events of October 7th unfolded. I'm sh please, I, I hope none of you are unaware of what's happened when Hamas terrorists streamed out of Gaza, invaded Israel, and murdered hmm, was it 14, 1,600 uh, Israelis, innocent civilians in all kinds of ways, uh, the brutality and barbarity of it. If, if you've read the stories, you, you know, raping, then murdering, burning families alive in their homes, beheading people, beheading children, um, shocking, shocking in its um, inhumanity, right? Uh, the worst single-day massacre of Jews since the Holocaust. And so all the other invasions, uh, incursions, rockets being fired, the Yom Kippur War did not come anywhere close to this um, level of destruction. October 7th is being called Israel's 9-11. That day when we were invaded. We were shockingly invaded. But proportionately in terms of the population of the United States, the number of deaths on 9-11 on American soil relative to the population of the United States, the, the, the percentage or the proportion, it, it would be as if some 45 to 50,000 Americans had been killed on 9-11. So proportionately, 
the population of Israel is so small, and yet that number of people. So we struggle to grasp the enormity of this um, uh, event. And then the protests on college campuses and in cities, not only in our own country, but around the world, with students and citizens of free nations chanting death to the Jews, gas the Jews. It's, it's shocking what, what, what has, has happened here. So anybody who knows their Bible knows you pay attention when things happen in Israel like this, right? Um, and so we finished a replay from 2020, right? The church at the end, the end of times, eschatology and the like. If you didn't watch last week, go back and please watch it. Are we at the end? Is this the beginning of the end? Are things fulfilling in biblical prophecy? I can't say for sure, but I'm going to watch. <laughs> And I'm going to go through with this study. I think it's, it's, it's a timely study. Um, I'm going to pray a psalm, which is, you know, the custom here at the Basement Academy. I'm going to read Psalm 31. I can tell you in the last three weeks, praying the psalms has taken on a kind of a fresh energy, a fresh perspective when we read about the enemies, you know, my tendency is to take, spiritualize that. <clears throat> my enemy is my sin. My enemy is the devil. But when I read enemies now, realizing these were written <laughs> by Jews in Israel or outside of Israel in exile, and they talk about the enemies, they're talking about real physical enemies who wish to do them harm and wish the destruction of Israel. And there are still sworn enemies of Israel to this day. Hamas in its own charter calls for the annihilation of the Jews, chanting college students and others, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. From the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, it will be free of Jews, is what that chant means. It's calling for the complete annihilation and destruction of, of the Israel state and of, and of Jews. So let me read Psalm 31. It's a little long. And then I'm going to tell you about an experience I had a couple weeks ago that um, was unparalleled in my experience. And so Psalm 31. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Free me from the trap that is set for me, 
for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. I hate those who cling to worthless idols. I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and you knew the anguish of my soul. You have not handed me over to the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors. I am a dread to my friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten by them as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. For I hear the slander of many. There is terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from my enemies and from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, O Lord, for I have cried out to you. But let the wicked be put to shame and lie silent in the grave. Let their lying lips be silenced. For with pride and contempt they speak arrogantly against the righteous. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you bestow in the sight of men on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence you hide them from the intrigues of men. In your dwelling you keep them safe from accusing tongues. Praise be to the Lord, for he showed his wonderful love to me when I was in a besieged city. In my alarm I said, I am cut off from your sight. Yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. Love the Lord, all his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Terror on every side, the slander of many, enemies conspiring against. Psalm 31. I didn't plan it all out this way, right? An attack on Hamas, a plan to talk about the book of Revelation, a Psalm 31 that speaks of Israel's enemies. But here we are. A couple Fridays ago, I was called by our uh, local county supervisor, Janine Lawson, who's a, a wonderful Christian woman, um, friend. I've known Janine for a number of years. And she asked if I would help out something that she was helping to organize, if I would serve as an MC for an event that she was putting together with a local uh, a Hebrew congregation, Jewish congregation, Chabad. Certainly. We had some other plans that day. 
got it, it all worked out. And so I was able to, on, on Sunday uh, the 22nd, just a little over a week ago, was able to emcee an event at a local um, venue, the Brass Cannon Restaurant, where this congregation came together with others in the community and, and, and certain county officials, an evening of solidarity and unity with Israel. Um, I had the honor to introduce local rabbis. I had the honor of introducing local county officials and um, the Prince William County Police Chief. Uh, several remarks were made. We watched a couple videos from the front, the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces. So some connection between these folks who were fighting and this congregation. What I learned is that Every Jew knows people in Israel. Every Jew is affected by these. The, the, the size of the country is so small and, and the unity of the people of Israel, uh, Jews, is, is so connected that everybody knows somebody or knows somebody who knows somebody who was murdered or killed or affected that day. And so Jews worldwide, of course, are affected as the chanting and calling for their destruction goes on. Uh, candles were lit. The Psalms were prayed. The Psalms were prayed in Hebrew. A gentleman who is uh, native to Israel, lives here now, but has much of his family back in Israel, led us in Psalm 23 and Psalm 121 in Hebrew. And then um, the wife of the local rabbi led us in the English praying of that and then another rabbi led us in the praying of Psalm 122, which in parts asks us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, we saw the faces of the hostages who were still kept in, um, in, in Gaza. They, they, were, they were stolen away and taken. They're now captive in, in, in Gaza by these Hamas terrorists. And there was a video of a song called the Ani Mamen. I, I had not, not, wasn't familiar with that phrase uh, or that song, but it was an Orthodox Jew with a wonderful voice singing essentially, Ani Mamen means I believe. I believe in the coming of Moshiach, the Messiah. I believe in the coming of peace. I believe, I believe with all my heart, I believe. A haunting melody that as the local rabbi I was working with uh, told me was composed on one of the trains heading to the death camps in World War II. And so we listened to the Ani Mamen. There was weeping in the room. And so for a little over an hour, we stood in solidarity prayed, um, saw friends uh, who are members of that congregation, members of the community that I've known over the years. And so it was good to reconnect. Whew. Wow. So I wasn't looking for such an experience. I was already paying attention to the events of October 7th. I was already planning this study. And then I was invited by God's providence to participate in that experience. 
which I pray I will never forget. I, I can't imagine it will be easy uh, to forget that event. The, the sobering reality of it, yet the joy, the unity, the solidarity. Um, there we, we sang also in Hebrew. I, I did my best to dust off my Hebrew. Uh, songs of joy in the midst of the suffering. For such is the way with God's people, right? And so uh, perhaps there's more reflections on that on that uh, evening yet yet to share. But a very moving experience for me that seemed to confirm, yeah, let's study the book of Revelation. Now's a good time. Um, again, was already planning world events and this other personal experience have, have brought it together. And so I want to study the book of Revelation with you over the next many, many weeks. We will be interrupted by uh, the holidays, by Christmas. Um, I, knowing myself, I expect that how I go about this will leave some of you impatient. That'll be an opportunity for your character to grow. I won't go as fast as some of you want. I tend to be very deliberate with these studies, as you know. I may not go in all the directions that you want. And I, and I recognize that. Because some of you have studied Revelation, you, you have a feel for the book. But, but some of you have not. Some of you, this will be the first time. And, and so my, my goal... It is to help you come to love the book of Revelation. Not just tolerate it, not just kind of not be afraid of it, but I want you to love this book. But more importantly, I want you to understand it. And, and I want you to, to see the book of Revelation as a book that you can read often. This is part of your Bible the same way we read the Psalms, the same way we read the Gospels, same way we read the Old Testament. Why do we avoid the book of Revelation? Almost, almost like there's, you know, say there's plagues there. Well, there are plagues there, right? <laughs> um, there was great interest in the book of Revelation. I've, I've taught on it many times over the number of years, even going back to my youth director days, 40-ish uh, years ago. There was great interest in the book of Revelation, but it's often um, almost like a macabre interest. Like, you know, times like this is when we pull out the book of Revelation. Again, I was already planning on it before October 7th, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, there's a lot of confusion uh, about the book. It is fantastic. That is, there's graphic. I mean, there's just these images and, you know, we'll talk about that. There's numbers and the number of the beast and you've got beasts and you've got dragons and all kinds of stuff going on. And so there's a lot of confusion, a lot of interest that sometimes doesn't get followed through on, a lot of confusion, but a lot of avoidance and fear of this book. Somehow, like if I read the book of Revelation, I'm going to be you know, my, I'm going to not lose my faith, but I'm going to get confused. And I just want to keep it simple. I just want to believe in Jesus and not worry about all that other stuff. 
but we're missing a blessing. There's a blessing. Blessed are those who read the words of this prophecy. We'll look at that tomorrow. Um, there are a number of common approaches, um, assumptions that, that are made about the book of, of, of Revelation. That it, some believe that it only pertains to the first century. It has nothing to say about the future. It only pertains to the church, the early church, the church in the first century. It certainly does that. Is it only that is the question. Some take an approach, there's a, an interpretive approach that sees it as the tracing of church history. The seven letters to the church are seven time epochs of church history that unfold over time. So that's one view that some take. Some believe it's less about the first century and it's all about the end of time. It predicts world events. I do remember um, back when Mikhail Gorbachev was, um, was it the president? I can't remember what title he held in the Soviet Union. But you know he had that birthmark on his forehead and there's a part of the book of Revelation that talks about an image of the, the, the beast as if it had been slain but was alive still. And so some were thinking Gorbachev and Russia's the beast. Maybe so, but maybe not. And so some view the book of Revelation as only predicting future world events. There's another approach that takes the book of Revelation and only makes it symbolic, strictly symbolic. And so it's symbolic of spiritual conflict. And it is certainly that. It certainly is that. So, so it may be that there are aspects of each of these approaches that, that, that are contained in the book of uh, Revelation. The approach that I will take, uh, how I've taught this in recent years, is I'm calling this reversed thunder, and I'm doing that straight from this book by Eugene Peterson. I would, I would encourage you to get the book. Um, it's going to be, you know, 10, 12 bucks. And I'm going to unpack themes from the book of Revelation. We're going to read, I'm going to ask you to read the book of Revelation. I'm going to ask you to, to read this book. It is subtitled, The Revelation of John and the Praying Imagination. Peterson suggests that the book of Revelation is a prayer. It is a pastoral prayer. It's a theological prayer. As the Apostle John weaves together hundreds of Old Testament verses and weaves them into a tapestry, this vision that he sees, drawing upon his deep knowledge of the scripture, and he invites us to pray, or prays with us. He shepherds us, he pastors us, he prays for us, prays with us, but it's a theologically integrating letter. It's a pastoral letter to these churches, the early churches, who are in a bad way. 
I'll, I'll go deeper into the introduction tomorrow. But what I like about this approach is in the table of contents, the first chapter's famous last words. And then the book unfolds the last word on scripture, the last word on Christ, the last word on the church, the last word on worship, the last word on evil, and so on. And so these will be the themes that we will unfold. I'm going to follow this outline and take Peterson's reflection and unpack it, try to interpret this book as it seeks to interpret the book of Revelation. Because these are the last words in the Bible, right? I mean, they, they occur at the end of our Bible, but they're the last words written. These are the last words of Scripture that we have. And they are lasting words. They're enduring words. But they are the final words we have. And so as God's Spirit inspires John the Apostle and he weaves this theological pastoral prayer together, we have these last words. And so hopefully this approach will take us away from pure speculation I kind of shy away from the speculative approaches to reading Revelation towards more uh, of an eschatological, letting the end of the story impact our current understanding. Let the end of the story impact us as we live in the middle of the story. And again, I shared some of those thoughts last week. So, well, my voice is almost gone again. So let me close here. Um, let me invite you to go out and purchase from a local bookstore, probably Amazon or something like that, Reverse Thunder by Eugene Peterson. And let me invite you to read the first chapter of the book of Revelation as we uh, dive in tomorrow, okay? Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for the opportunity to gather again through this technology we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the people of Israel uh, who are in the land as well as out of the land and the many families uh, who have been so deeply impacted by the attack on October 7th. And we pray your mercy upon our world, your mercy upon your church, and your mercy upon our study as we will proceed in these coming weeks to study this wonderful, wonderful amazing book. And so guide us and may we stand uh, with Israel and acknowledge that our times as well are in your hands. Protect us from every enemy as we make our prayer now in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray together saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God protect you from all evil today. May he guard you from temptation. And may his kingdom and power and glory rest upon you, abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.